know, Byron, I think there are some secret seekers. This has sort of stripped away their expectations and some of their support, uh, both uh, financially and work, but also emotionally and relationally. Church services that are streaming out of necessity, even if they had an online presence before, are having an incredible number of views. That doesn't mean long-term engagement, but people are looking in to see the church, and I believe in God's timing and His graciousness to hear the gospel. Followed by nearly 40 years of serving and leading on church staffs and nonprofits, Gary Mays now invests his heart's passion and ministry experience into serving leaders and the people they serve. Gary has been on this Mid-South Viewpoint program previously. I wanted to invite Gary back to discuss the way this coronavirus pandemic has temporarily, let me underline temporarily, redirected the way that church meets, does ministry, and maybe some other things we'll throw in there. But Gary, hi and welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint on Byte Radio Network. Byron, it is great to be with you today. Not only are you dealing with the COVID-19 like everyone else, but severe weather moved through your area in Mississippi on Sunday. How bad were those storms, Gary? I'm in Madison, Mississippi, just north of Jackson. The storms were really probably 80, 90 miles south of us at their worst. We had some slight hail, lots and lots of rain, but two Sundays in a row with bad weather, uh, it has sort of moved right around us personally. But 14, I think, killed last weekend, Sunday a week ago, and then one or two in extreme south Mississippi, just on that North Louisiana border above New Orleans. It's tragic, and we have a number of communities in Mississippi. As soon as they sort of dried out and regrouped, the storms came through again. It's been a tough 10 days or so. Tell us about the Council House Restaurant and its role (laughs) during this storm recovery. (laughs) Well, just setting that up for a moment, uh, I've had the privilege for a little over a year of being the director or the vice president of operations, an incredible Christian boarding school called French Camp Academy. I do that about 12 to 14 days a month on site. Byron, you know how it works these days. If your phone works, you're on call all the time. Right. I drive about an hour and a half to French Camp Academy. It's this incredible Christian boarding school with about a 140-year history. We built a restaurant over the last two or three years. They've had a small cabin that functioned as a little uh, sandwich and soup diner. It was a historic cabin. Moved into a beautiful facility, loft ceilings, deck, two huge fireplaces, just gorgeous. We opened in November, and we experienced the coronavirus tap dance like everybody else. Yeah. Byron, you know my son, Josh Mays, who is the worship pastor at High Point Church. Years ago, we had a church plant. I planted in 1991, and we were on the frontage road of an interstate uh, artery that runs right through Jackson, Mississippi. And Josh was all of 14 years old, and he made this observation. He said, Dad, we're conveniently located where nobody lives. And I thought that was really insightful. And that's French Camp Academy. We have this beautiful restaurant where nobody lives. People have to drive in. It's in the middle of some rural counties. So we did exactly what you would expect. We social distanced. Then we did takeaway, curbside, and we shut that down after three or four days. I think nationally we were becoming accustomed to social distancing, even though Mississippi didn't have, at that point, a shelter-in-place order. We shut down for about two weeks. But we have reopened. We've done family meals, and we're 
doing curbside. And interestingly, because we're in a rural county and we have some capacity, we have served the Entergy, our regional uh, power company. We've served their disaster crews, their bucket crews. Last week, we served 710 guys over a two-day period. So we're doing some disaster relief. We're serving the community, trying to be faithful and adhere to good social distancing and sanitation issues. I love these God-sized stories, Gary. You know, we have to be, as the church, fluid in times like this. Mm -hmm. Not rigid, but looking for ways that we can meet the need. Well, it strips away an event like this. It strips away the assumption that our systems and our organizations and our corporations and even our churches are rock solid and they're they're what we put our trust in. It just reminds us our trust is in the Lord. It is not in horses and chariots. That's been one of the realities. Very quickly at French Camp, we have a oh, 60-year history of a camp called Camp of the Rising Sun. 70 college staff, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids through the summer, four full-time year-round employees at the camp. Byron, we're in moments right now, like much of the world, what is that going to look like? How are we going to do that this summer? That's one of those cases of you've got a structure, you have assumptions, you have some history. We've got all these language and consulting world like best practices and systems and processes, but all the rules have changed. So much has changed, as you say, Gary, and the way people are responding. Virtual haircuts has become a buzzword. Uh, Greg Eisenberg, I saw, he's a tech entrepreneur who launched You Probably Need a Haircut app earlier in April. Within a day of launch, he was the new master stylist of the virtual haircut economy. For a starting rate of $18, you can pick from around two dozen freelance barbers who will walk you through the ins and outs of the self-cut on video chat. Really, that's pretty genius. Yeah. Haircut scissors are selling out. Hair dye. People are panicking about their hair. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. My wife has had a couple of passes at my hair. I've seen some men post. They're not ashamed to post, I guess. They should be on some of these haircuts. I'm sorry. Some of them are pretty rough. (laughs) Yeah, they are. Thankfully, my wife was trained years ago. You know, we were missionaries, and so she learned, boys were real little, how to cut our hair because we lived overseas for a few years, and also to save money, you know, and she actually does a great job. So I'm very thankful for that. Well, that's a great skill to have. And, you know, cumulatively, over an adult lifetime, that's a lot of money. Yeah. That's a lot of resources. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of this is bringing things back home and you know, gyms, it's kind of crazy. You know, a lot of folks like to go work out because of COVID. I mean, all these gyms around the country have had to close. Retailers, stores, items for in-home equipment sales, 625% went crazy. And many of these items like free weights and kettlebells, they're like toilet paper. They're not even available right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I just pick up big cans of chocolate syrup. Yeah. That's what I do. <laughs> I, I love that. Kettlebells, those are for sissies. Uh, just, you know, desserts, frozen <laughs> cheesecakes, that kind of thing is what I juggle. That's right. They have some weight to them, don't they? Yeah, they got some heft. Yeah. <laughs> Transfers right to me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, also, Gary, sadly, you know, this coronavirus has created a major moment for digital mental health services. Doom scrolling now has entered the lexicon, which means obsessively reading social media posts about bad things that are happening in the world. Mm -hmm. It's 
such a sad reality that in the good and bad of the Internet that we have access, it's easy to become either desensitized or overstimulated by the realities of a broken and lost world. You don't live in your own world uh, or just interact or have close community. phrase for the last 50 years has been that we've been global citizens. And now really in the pandemic, we are global citizens. Meditation apps like Headspace rolled out free services to users and healthcare providers to help them cope. My wife and I are empty nets. We have all the things we really need in our home, you know, in a, in a temporary setting for sure. But so many people don't. They've lost their job. They've lost the significance of work for a time. They are home alone. Maybe even worse for many people, they're home with somebody they have a combative, abusive, or difficult relationship. So I think it's really put the magnifying glass uh, on the individuals who are struggling emotionally or relationally through this time. Little crises are happening all over the place that perhaps we don't even know about. Sadly true, I think, Gary. And what an opportunity for the Church of Jesus Christ to be a healing balm, you know, a medicine of hope and of encouragement, of strength, you know, something that can provide refreshment. You know, we need to be refreshed in our hearts. You know, Byron, I think there are some secret seekers. This has sort of stripped away their expectations and some of their support, uh, both uh, financially and work, but also emotionally and relationally. Church services that are streaming out of necessity, even if they had an online presence before, are having an incredible number of views. That doesn't mean long-term engagement, but people are looking in to see the church, and I believe in God's timing and His graciousness to hear the gospel. Well, I heard that Thomas Nelson Publishers, their book sales for the Bible have increased 60%. People are reading the Bible, and they're looking for answers, as you say, you know, I'm thinking about college students. You and Kathy, for many years, have invested in so much, you know, the campus of Mississippi College and being the chaplain of that institution for many years. The class of 2020 college grads are stumbling into this job market that isn't even ready to receive them. You know, many of America's 3.9 million college students set to graduate are asking, what does this mean for me in job prospects? Nobody really knows. We can't offer them anything. That's right. But there's going to be a long runway to normal. In full disclosure, I was not the campus chaplain, but we did live there and Millsaps for years and had college ministry specifically. But you're absolutely right. I mean, the people who are transitioning in those milestones of their life, high school seniors, college seniors, are finding themselves at a very, very uncertain Just a few months prior to the corona pandemic, the stock market was an all-time high, and experts were predicting the hottest job market in 50 years. Now we see the businesses all over the country have started these massive layoffs. That's right, and I know the optimists have said this will be a time of incredible innovation, and America will swing back economically and in business stronger than ever, and I pray that those things are true. But that's a long runway when all of your systems and businesses have been disrupted. I was reading the restaurant business alone in this kind of reopening and re-gearing up. That's going to be an incredible set of adjustments for a long time based on our social distancing postures now. It's an unknown, everybody says this, unprecedented time. Never seen this like this. Totally. 
Well, Gary, you know, as we look at this virtual church thing, so many churches, as you mentioned, are offering their congregations this virtual experience online. Of course, it's impacting their congregations and, and even beyond other people that are tuning in. Are you talking with pastors about the balance of being yourself and being online? For many, this is uncharted territory. They don't have a tech team on staff, not to mention the tech gear or a church that's sometimes connected. There's many rural churches that have no connectivity at all. That's right. And if they do, it is, uh, it's difficult and sometimes awkward. But you used a line, cliche apology aside, you have to be who you are. A small church that runs 80 on Sunday morning in a rural county in Tennessee or Mississippi or Arkansas, that pastor has to have a relationship that shepherds and feeds his people, which is different than the dynamic of the megachurch experience, if you will. I don't normally even use that phrase, but a church that's gone to a different scale different expectations, different availability of technology. Uh, it's been a really strong challenge. Uh, the, the fact of the matter is that churches sometimes that run 80, 90, 100, 200, that is their scale. Those are all the people they can take care of. That's all the structure they have. When everybody had freedom and access, and now they're having to relearn what it means to shepherd people, to take care of them, to provide for them. And we think about the marker moments like funerals and deaths and end-of-life experiences with uh, distancing and sheltering in place. It has been a, uh, it's been a significant challenge. Oh, my, especially those who have family members in long-term health care facilities, you know, nursing care facilities, which you and Kathy are, are one family that do. Is it your mom or Kathy's mom that lives in a Kathy's nursing home? mom. Yeah. And Byron, Kathy's mom suffers from dementia, Alzheimer's potentially. She's in a long-term memory loss unit, and she might be more of the, uh, she may be healthier than the majority of the ladies that are in this unit, but she had gotten to the point, even though my wife visited every day, that she had to become, for a few moments, kind of reacquainted with Kathy. Well, she's been effectively in lockdown for four weeks, and Kathy and I had this conversation She is not going to probably know Kathy when Kathy returns. So really, Kathy may have seen her mother for her mother to know her for the very last time four weeks ago. Oh, my. Because we're we're all the way down that road, you know, based on observable (laughs) patterns in other people. That's not that God can't do something special with Yvonne, but realistically— it is unlikely she will know Kathy or either of us next time. And uh, we've gone to the big plate glass windows with posters, and we've waved, and we've made the trip by, but uh, that's not even a, it's not even a place we can access well. So it's, it's just a reality. Yeah. This may be the transition due to the coronavirus that takes my wife's mother out of play relationally. Very, very difficult. Well, Gary, I know our prayers with you and Kathy, your family through that. And we have a family member, too, just around the corner from the radio station here in an assisted living home that is on lockdown. And they've already had four residents to pass away because of COVID-19. 
So I know this is a concern. Many other around the country are facing the same dilemma with the uh, increased amount of this virus attacking this population. As I mentioned, uncharted territory, what have been, Gary, some innovative ways you've seen the church step into this arena as it keeps the gospel as its mandate for ministry? I've been so encouraged by the the creativity, by the God-breathed moments where the church has mobilized in this. There's some very tangible expressions, of course. It's the food banks, it's the families, it's the, the processes where I know a number of congregations who've checked on people who are single and alone regularly. They've essentially adopted a pattern of checking on their people. So they've really shepherded or chaplained those people really, really well. But I've also seen, uh, beyond that, some expressions of the gospel, pure and simple expressed. I mean, I've seen a number of uh, Facebook posts and social media posts of people telling their story of coming to Christ, or telling their story of their hope for their life in Christ, or how they're dealing with the pandemic because of their faith in Christ, uh, the solid foundation of their relationship with Jesus. And that's been really encouraging to see people come out of, uh, sort of come out of the dark with their testimony and come to social media, which is our primary means of communication, and go straight to their testimony. It's been so encouraging. And then there have been some really creative other places uh, within the church's ministry, like student ministry. We had a, a church here that three weeks ago put together yard signs and went into the yards of their seniors and with their name on the sign said, we love you, celebrating you as a senior, praying for you going uh, ahead into your future. God bless. Katie, or God bless Josh. Wow. And uh, um, they've just done the tangible things to say, we are remembering you. I love that, Gary. Well, that's great. What about some positive takeaways for families living in this pandemic that they might prioritize when we return to some sort of normality? I mean, we don't know when that's going to be, but as you say, there have been some positive things happening in regards to family. You know, the the world of funny memes, Byron, you know, I've got a, a great friend who she says, uh, she's posted, she said, when this is over, I'm not ever eating at home again. <laughs> and it just it made me laugh because we're an eat out kind of family. But one of, the, one of the takeaways is we need to be at home. The dynamic of the family around the table and preparing a meal and cleaning up a meal and being together, that's been largely lost in much of our suburban in particular uh, demographic where we have the means to fast food it or to restaurant it all the time. And I think there's some quality experiences there. You may remember a study years ago, and I wish I could quote the source off the top of my head, but there was a study years ago that said one of the interesting commonalities among those who were national merit finalists was that they ate dinner with their family every night. It was a stunning study. I think for us to be the family again and to be sort of sequestered has been a real gift. And let me say, several years ago, I heard somebody say, we've all heard it many times, but they said there's a difference in saying, I have to or I must, and I get to. And that difference in attitude of, I don't have to stay at home, I get to stay at home. It's not a a requirement. I'm not in jail here. 
I have the privilege of some quality time with the people that God's put in my life that I love the most. It's easier to say, Kathy and I joke, we like each other about 98% of the time. (laughs) So life's great, honestly, at our house. But I'm aware it's not everywhere, but it is an opportunity. You get to reconcile some relationships. You get to live in proximity. You get to weather the storm together. Anybody who's used the foxhole uh, illustration, when you've been in the foxhole together, you build bonds and common experiences that can last a lifetime. So the the get to the seeing this as the silver lining, I think of a of a difficult time nationally is critical, and that's a matter of attitude. Yes. And that is not to diminish loss of work, difficult situations, no, and certainly not diminishing the really difficult homes with abuse and and depression and inability to to function or care. I, I'm not ever diminishing those. No, but no. many people in the broad swath we get the opportunity to be with those that we love and continue to make significant memories and build relationships. And to put that Romans twelve eighteen into practice, if possible, so far it depends on you, be at peace That's with all men, right? <laughs> one of my favorite scriptures. Yeah, I love that. As much as it is possible. Well, something else is we kind of wind this thing down, Gary. Uh, The Christian living in fear of all those conspiracy theories out there, you know? I know the media is telling us one thing, but what's really going on is, you know, blank, 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 or the government is trying to control us by doing blank, 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 blank. I remember Adrian Rogers once said that most of the things that we worry about never even happen. Mm -hmm. This has brought to the forefront a brand new view of we live in a broken, fallen world. And it's beyond our personal control. It's totally in God's hands. Uh, I am very, very careful. I mean, I I consult about communications, and I don't post political, uh, typically anything that's political in nature. I'm not a conspiracy theory guy, but I'm also not naive. We live in a broken, fallen world, and people will use circumstances to their end. And the liar will lie, because that's what the devil does. And uh, understanding that, everything's not a conspiracy. And, uh, you know, thinking the worst or building a case for hatred, that is never healthy for the believer. Um, So uh, the people in my conversation, the few times I do engage online, I urge caution and perspective. This is a real thing, and nobody really wants this country to suffer. Nobody in their right mind on any side of an aisle or political persuasion or theological worldview. Nobody's hoping for hate outside of the sociopath somewhere. Right. So let's have some perspective. Uh, Let's pray for those who don't align with us and uh, recognize that ultimately, ultimately our our source and our trust, our faith and our rest is in Christ alone. Oh, Gary, so true. And until it really comes home to you about the COVID-19, and I know we're hearing stories, sometimes they, they seem distance. It came really close to our home last night when our daughter-in-law found out that her uncle passed away yesterday due to COVID-19 in Miami. So when it starts getting close to home, you realize that, you know, this is a real battle that we have in this pandemic. My daughter's mother-in-law or grandmother-in-law uh, in the hospital now, 
uh, two friends of ours, a matter of fact, a young lady from Memphis, sequestered in their apartment with COVID, uh, recovered uh, in their 30s, but uh, her and her husband in their apartment for, I think, 14, 15 days straight in New York City with COVID and recovered, but it wasn't it wasn't fun for anybody, and that was a mild case. Yeah, I know people. When you stop and think about it, Byron, uh, and I know you you have and our listeners have, but what happened and first manifested in China maybe the middle of January, maybe, has now killing people in Choctaw and a mid-county in Mississippi. That's almost unbelievable. It does describe how much of a global world we are. Yes. And, uh, and it's a real thing. People who drive log trucks in Choctaw County, Mississippi, have COVID-19. Who knew? Wow, Gary. Now, I know that you're available to be an ear and advice for pastors and other ministry leaders, and maybe they're going through sometimes, and they're just bottled up with anxiety and stress, and they, they can't really reveal it to those they're trying to lead. Maybe you could be a, a voice or someone they could confer with. You're available for, for coaching, for advice, for counseling. What's the best way for folks to get in touch with you? My website is super easy. My name is Gary Mays, M-A-Z-E, and my website's very simple. It's com. and there's an easy response tool there to, to email or to get in touch with me. And uh, I'll get that and respond uh, any way I can serve. Use my tagline, Byron, which, man, I appreciate. But uh, I'm serving leaders and the people they serve. And I often say I'm sure I'm not an expert, but about much of ministry, I am a veteran. Man, a good day for me is cheering somebody on or helping somebody think maybe strategically or objectively or just with perspective about a challenge or a problem or an opportunity. I'm not a professional licensed counselor. I am a pastor, but I've seen, uh, like, is it shelter insurance? I have seen some stuff. I'm happy to serve any way I possibly can. Gary Mays, God bless you, my dear brother. Always a pleasure to have you here on Mid South Viewpoint with us. Byron, the pleasure and privilege is absolutely mine. Uh, any way I can serve you ever, I appreciate you, my brother. God bless you, Gary. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.